Hi there, unicorns. Danny here. Just a quick note before we start. I'm going to try to keep this brief, but there are a lot of really important things that need to be said right now. And to ignore the current moment would be a failure to use our platform for what we literally made this show to do. So, Black Lives Matter. Plain and simple, Biracial Unicorn supports Black Lives Matter. We support all of our Black brothers, sisters, and non-binary siblings. And we support all of you who are out there fighting to make the world more equal and more just than we've ever had the opportunity to see it. You know, it's 2020, and the fact that this work even is necessary right now is heartbreaking. But if you're a regular listener of the show, you know that we are well aware of the issues of systemic racism facing all of us, and we intend to continue to use our platform to amplify that message, as well as the message of Black Lives Matter. And just to amplify some important, smart, incredibly smart, melanated voices, I'd like to share this passage written by... Dr. Ibram Kendi. The opposite of racist isn't not racist. It is anti-racist. What's the difference? One endorses either the idea of racial hierarchy as a racist or racial equality as an anti-racist. One either believes problems are rooted in groups of people as a racist or locates the roots of problems in power and policies as an anti-racist. One either allows racial inequalities to persevere as a racist or confronts racial inequalities as an anti-racist. There is no in-between safe space of not racist. So, We do not want to hear about how you are not racist. In fact, we urge all of you, and in particular, my fellow non-Black people of color and our white co-conspirators, to embrace anti-racist work as much as possible. And not just in the coming hours and days and weeks, but for the rest of your lives. You know, this is a fight that must continue even after the hype on social media dies down and after all the protesters have left the streets. This is a fight we will be fighting for the rest of our lives. And right now is a time to investigate ourselves because many of us benefit from this racist system in a country built by Black people for white people for free. So... Now, let's show up in authentic, meaningful ways. Yes, we're still in a pandemic, and many of you cannot physically put your bodies outside into a protest situation. So, we have some alternatives for you. And in fact, those of you who are out there protesting should probably do these things as well. I'm urging you to please investigate. So that means investigating yourself and your own biases. Donate. There are so many causes out there right now that need your dollars. So put your money where your mouth is. Educate not only yourself, but 
those around you. This is particularly true for us non-Black people of color and our white co-conspirators, because now is not the time that we need to rely on our Black brothers, sisters, and non-binary siblings to educate us. And finally, it's imperative that we don't stagnate. We can't be complicit anymore in this system. We have to continue to show up and we have to continue to fight. So we'll include a link to some places to get you started in our show notes. All right. That being said, Damika and I have opted to move forward with our regular podcast programming, feeling that right now is not the time for us to go silent. So just for some context, the episode that you're going to hear today was recorded before the murder of George Floyd. So some of what you may hear may seem a little anachronistic. And that's why we're not bringing up the current moment. Because believe me, Black Lives Matter is in our minds and in our hearts pretty much every moment of our days. All right. Well, thank you. Here's the show. I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And manners maketh the unicorn. It's true. Very, 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 very true. Unicorn finishing school over here. <laughs> Top of my class. Me too. Obviously. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Obviously. We are some of the most po- politest people I, I, I possibly know. I don't know. Uh, I would say we're pretty polite. We are a pretty polite pair. I think we're very respectful. <laughs> I feel like there's a difference between polite and respectful. Mm, yeah, that's true. Mm, were manners a really big deal in your home growing up? Um, Weird manners. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Definitely no elbows on the table, which mm. now I'm like... I don't know if that that would be my hill to die on as a parent. Yeah. What is that? Like Europeans are like, don't put your like hands underneath the table. What are you doing underneath there? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> but, but do you know what I Rain mean? Rain it like, in. <laughs> I know. You are somebody's mother, Tamika. <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? Like when your hands are out, you're expressing and you're talking to one another as opposed to what I don't I was gonna say twiddling your thumbs but now I've, I've ruined the manners part yeah twiddling I think manners were important to a certain extent for sure but not like I don't know were, were manners a big part of your your home life growing up uh yeah I mean I I think I said yes ma'am and no sir more than mom and dad we were mm. manners were and I think not to be that person, but I think especially for brown kids, you need to you have to be kind of ultra polite when you go to places. I think people are looking at you to be rowdy, crazy, disrespectful children like they have that expectation. And then when you have impeccable manners, you open doors, you're, you don't know, speak until you're spoken to th- those kind of things. I think it just hell 
it helps a little bit in life. I mean, it should be that way. You should be treated the same. But I think when you have that, but yeah, it was a lot of no ma'ams. Yes. Yes, sirs. You are asked to leave the table and no, none of those things are bad. It's kind of the same thing of like being a parent. I catch myself. I'm like, is this what I want? Or is this just because what my parents did? And it's just mm. a good question to ask. It's no shade to them. It's like, what do I believe? And I think you have to ask those questions, don't you? Right. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely had really good manners out in public. And I remember that was like a point of contention with my mother was that like me and my sister were better behaved out in public. Than at home. <laughs> you were those kids. <laughs> love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Love it. Absolutely living for it. Well, I... I cannot be more proud of us for picking a great tagline to just slide right in into our main topic today, which is about etiquette, but of the social medias. Yes, because social media has now become the public of our world. (laughs) Oh, girl, the times we live in. I feel like I say that so much more than I ever thought I would in 2020. Yeah. I just, I don't, I never thought I'd be saying things like this of like all the times. Well, the times, you know, the change, the time before. Can you remember a time before? Who says that in 2020? But you're, you're right. I think a lot of people who are not, we all, we all know that person, right? Who's like, I don't do social media. Well, guess what? Now you do because this is how we communicate. Even if it's yeah. not for leisure, it's for business. You, you have to, mm-hmm. you got to, bro. And so it's, it's, so etiquette is one of those things that either like for us, like you are purposefully taught or, you you know, you learn by tradition. You just watch by like even something as simple as, you know, um, taking your shoes off. Like I'm a really big, like, please don't wear shoes in the house, you know, for something that's just tradition and something that you just see or grow up or even cultural. What kind of savage wears shoes inside the house? Girl. That's my question. Girl. Especially like, take carpet. off your shoes. Take off yes. your shoes when you walk in the door. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And th- I'm the same way. Like I even have like we even have a shoe section for the back door too. Like Oh yeah. Those are your outdoor back exactly. shoes. Exactly. We have we have our shoes by the back door that we wear like in the backyard, in the garden, yeah. whatever. And then you have like all of our other shoes next to the front door. And it was, a lot of them are like in a closet in a, like a wardrobe. Um, they aren't like just strewn about, but like oh, we, well, you know, we have, <laughs> we have, we don't, we don't have children, so I feel like we're <laughs> afforded the luxury of of that. I'm like, ah, oh, say wardrobe again. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I've. I've always like maintained this very strong, like no shoes in the house rule. And I think I was very influenced by places I've lived, like, you know, Japan and Hawaii, where it's cultural. Everyone behaves that way. I sometimes choose that hill to die on when people come over. And sometimes I just, sometimes I just die a little on the inside because (laughs) I like, all right. I'm just dying in your arms tonight. No, that is definitely one thing. And I'm like, especially like in in the English, I'm like, you're just going to have to get over people seeing your weird socks or like when people wear sandals are just like, oh, but my feet. I'm like, yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm a very, 
I try to make it as lighthearted as possible. And I guess some people are very mindful of carpet here. You know, like in New Mexico, a lot more places have harder floors, like tile or wood. But here, a lot of carpet, girl, more carpet than I ever want to see again in my entire life. So people are a little bit better about it. But you do get those people who try to just like shimmy on into your living room with their with their muggle shoes. And I'm like, can you not? Yeah, I feel awkward when I go to someone's house where that isn't the rule and like it's rude to take off my shoes because and I just feel like very awkward and uncomfortable wearing shoes inside a house. (laughs) (laughs) There is something too to where I it's like especially in the summertime where people will wear socks with sandals here or they're they're so good at wearing like those little booties. With mm. their summer shoe. They're so good about that here. I am not. I'm from the desert where my feet get absolutely tan line, filthy, whatever. And then I'm barefoot in my hardwood or hard tiled house or whatever. And so I do think I show my bare feet a lot more than people are probably used to. I used to be very self-conscious about it when I first got here. And now I'm just like, here are my feet. Soak it in. <laughs> lighter brown than the rest of my body it was a long winter so you have joined us yeah. for the shoe cast so <laughs> shoe cast. i know i'm gonna i'm gonna cut all of this out by the way uh, don't no so good though it's just if it's you, good but it's not social media there are no it's, shoes no. on social media well anyway well but there you're, are you're, the you're dark it. the dark web of social media is all feet, yeah but yeah don't don't go there but 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 that's the thing so now we're finding ourselves even people who are of all ages background preferences who weren't don't social media and that's instagram facebook google reddit all the all these places that they normally don't go are now going there for whether it's work or leisure or try to stay connected and we're getting some interesting results mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I don't think any more than usual, per se. I will say there's definitely just been a spike of interest. How about that? Amongst the the social media world. How about you? Have you been on social media more? What's your social media game these days? It's actually dramatically less. I uh, Not that I think I was an addict but you know especially like instagram i'm a big fan but even that i feel bad a couple people nominate me to do like those like you're a mom you like music do you like cheese and i and i was thinking like i don't like to do those normally um i'm lazy and i'm a terrible person but it's um i thought oh this might be a really good night nice way to like stay connected to people especially you know if i like the people who nominate me and I hardly ever get nominated for those things like ever so I thought oh I'm gonna do these things and I run like days behind or I forget that social media exists and so it's I think my I've definitely seen a a drop in my participation but also some of it is voluntary it's not just I'm I'm busier now uh with my Mm. kiddo being at home all the time because I don't want her to see me on the phone all the time either but yeah. it, I think it's also also by choice because some of the things I'm seeing on on the Internet, I was telling my husband, not since the last election have I been like, "Ooh, maybe I should do a clean, a clean sweep of some of the people in my my friends category. Not that I want to yeah. be that person. Like, I don't want to have an echo chamber. I want right. I want to have people who think differently than me just intelligently. 
I don't think that's a lot to ask for. So I don't want to be all like, I need to go through my friends list. I need to go through. No, I don't. I don't want to be like that. But I also need to go through my friends list. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I found my threshold for some of that shit is as much lower mm. than it so used to be. So how's your social media presence doing right now? Well, uh, both extremes, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Yes, love it. Back on Facebook. Hate Facebook. But I've definitely had more of a presence on Facebook than I have in years. And now that I'm at home. But I also, like, in the midst of all this, have had to have some social media purges where I'm like, okay, I'm like, set like locking it on my phone so I can't just mindlessly open it and start scrolling I'm intentionally not using it for you know however many days or I'm like or I will only look at it on my computer which I'm on you know during my work day and I'm too busy to like open social media so it's like at the end of the work day maybe I'll open something and scroll for a little bit so I've done that and then I've also like in true binging and purging fashion, then I'll just be like, okay, <laughs> I took my break. I'm back. I'm back. So <laughs> definitely running both extremes on the social media these days. Uh. And But I've, I've found, and I discussed this on our last episode where we talked a little bit about social media, not the last episode we recorded, but the last time we talked social media. Uh. I enjoy anonymous social media more than social media with people who I know because I feel like if I want to know what's going on with people I know I can like text them or you know Uh reach out to them other ways but if I want just like conversation about a topic I would rather get outside of my my echo chamber a little bit and like take it to reddit or take it to discord or take it somewhere where i can have like these unencumbered conversations about a topic mm-hmm. i like that and i and i it's good to be challenged and like we've both already said it's good to surround yourself with people who who introduce new ideas who also actually make you examine yourself and realize how you feel on things from the presidential race to what kind of thread count you like, you know, because it's, it's that wide of a range for the most part, social media Mm -hmm. is a way to just stay in contact with my family overseas, see everyone's wedding announcements and their recipes for croissants. I mean, you know, that that's, that's my bread and butter for all the carb puns. That's what I'm really looking for as far as like on those main forums that we're all using. But what what I'm seeing <laughs> is that why we say etiquette is that this is the way that we learn how to have polite behavior, right? These are just things of just, you know, someone passes away. We say, you know, I'm really, really sorry. Sometimes we send flowers, we cook meals. You bump into someone in public, you say, excuse me, normally, you know, you try to open the door for the person behind you, all of these things. But it seems like the moment we get in front of a screen, all Mm -hmm. human etiquette and politeness dissolves. And of course, we know the science of that. There's that beautiful part of being anonymous that gives people a lot more confidence. And we have seen this time and time again. We've seen this with really radical racial (laughs) driven groups. (laughs) <laughs> trying to say it nicely that, Ugh, that there's a lot don't of have to say it nicely, 
these racist ass groups that we see. There's a <laughs> lot of puffed up chests online because there's protection mm-hmm. in behind that screen, and people get a lot of a lot of uh, clout and uh, increase the size of the cojones online. And I, I'm seeing it pop up in places that I wasn't expecting and with people I wasn't expecting. And I, I, I do struggle with that a little bit. And I do yeah. see waves of this, especially in this time of dealing with the coronavirus, that people are being real loose lipped <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, online. I don't know if you've, do you feel like there's been a spike of people kind of the easily spread false news, uh, snapping at one another, easy to, for accusation, things of that nature. Do you feel like there's been an increase in that? Yeah, I think it's always there, but right now there does seem to be a lot of it because even months into this, this is like the predominant thing on people's minds, right? So like all the conversations, a lot of conversations are still about these, what I see is should not be divisive opinions (laughs) about what's Mm. going on because I feel like... You know, I guess I feel just so strongly in one of the two camps that I'm like, I don't understand how you could disagree with science. (laughs) So I think you're right, though. A a big part of what we're talking about when we mean social media etiquette is do we have a responsibility to call out lies and garbage Mm. news and racist opinions and all those things? That, that one's really tough, isn't it? And, you know, we've talked about this a little bit in in matters of confrontation, but there mm-hmm. does seem to be, there's a lot of anxiety online and talking to people. And, and this is not just like, if you see that racist joke, you need to call it out. You have a responsibility. It's like, wow, this is a coworker of mine that never posts anything. And now they're posting something. It is not only lies, but it might be, it's actually racist, you, you know, and that, that can put people in a very anxious spot or even people mm-hmm. who are oversharing and been like, Ooh, sis girl, not necessarily the place. Like let, let's talk one-on-one. Like there's, there's a lot out there. And I think there's people who just don't know what to do or should they do anything? Yeah. Uh, like with everything, there's no one size fits all answer <laughs> to that question. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's tough because I think there is a certain level of responsibility in calling out bullshit. Mm -hmm. But I would also urge particularly people, people of color, queer people, any disenfranchised group to really think about caring for themselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think like if you have the bandwidth to do it, do it Mm. if you don't i don't know if you should beat yourself up about it Mm. but i also like to go back to something we've said time and time again like me as a person of color as a woman of color like if i engage with people and they see my little picture Uh uh-huh they're gonna take what i say very differently than if my blonde blue-eyed husband were to say something So I think recognizing your privilege and those of you who might be more privileged, I think you also have a greater responsibility (laughs) to call people out. And I know that seems unfair, but hey, racism is unfair. (laughs) 
It kind of is. It really, really is. And, and and there's the thing. So it's like, so where, where do you begin with all of this? And I think something we've talked about before with just kind of equipping people. And once again, there's pros and cons on not calling out and to call it out is, I think what would be helpful is to kind of stop in that moment and ask who is that person and who is that person to you? Yes. Right. Yes. So you're reading Absolutely. the comment, reading this, like, is this your second great aunt, Deborah? who is yeah. a little out of touch, who, who just learned how to use the reverse camera. No offense, auntie. Um, not a real, like, made-up person to protect the innocent. <laughs> but do you know what yeah. I mean? And what she's putting is problematic, as opposed yep. to a, a friend of a friend who posted, reposted some fake news. Like, who, who what is that relationship going to be like to you? Does that make sense? I would really hope right. that you would feel like have a closest with the family relationship as opposed to some bozo the clown that, y- you know, you might have friended by mistake. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I think that that's real. And I have very unapologetically unfriended people who are like friends of a friend mm-hmm. or people who I don't really know well or people who just like run in the same circle as me, but I don't consider a friend, uh, mm. just an acquaintance. I'm not going to fight with someone who, especially when I'm seeing in the comment section, like other people are already fighting the fight with them Mm -hmm. and it's clearly not going anywhere. Like, I'm not going to fight with that person. And also, like, I don't have space or room for this bullshit in my life right now. So I'm just, I'm done. Like, I I was tired. I was tired. Exactly. (laughs) So I think. Exactly. So as soon as you ask, like, who is this person? Who's this person to me? And I think that was another thing too. like, kind of read the comments. They don't need to be clubbed over the head, believe it or not. I know, believe it or not, even if they're in the wrong. Right. One more voice in a in an argument that's already happening, that's going nowhere, probably isn't going to shift the tides at all. Mm-hmm. So once you establish who they are, then it's like how to communicate with them. Does that make sense? Is a public Mm -hmm. adding to once again, that long list going to be effective as opposed to, hey, let me go ahead and give them a phone call. You know, you remember how a phone works, everybody. There's these things and you put the actual phone to your ear and another person's voice comes out on the side of it. We just use it to scroll. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have a friend who's been calling me. She's a a mature woman. She's so sweet. And she called me when all this happened. And calls right just to check in. It's so sweet. But I'm like, I had to remember my phone etiquette. I'm like, do I, is this too close to my face? My face is so hot. Why is it so sweaty? Oh, I don't, here's, here's a thing that's come out of COVID is like, I no longer even hold my phone to my face. Like I just plug headphones. in my headphones. Mm, like, girl. and I don't think I'll ever be going back to having a phone conversation, not on headphones. No, no face is too sweaty y'all but it's a uh, it's but that that's the thing too of calling somebody should i write them because i know people who respond to the written word a lot better one-on-one and we can you know, ha- ask questions and have follow-up i think that's really important how can i communicate to this person and then i also need to think like so what's at stake what's the hope are you trying to convert that person to your idea are you just trying to sh- like shed some light are you trying to gain understanding? If you're just going in there to just be right, I, I, you've already kind of like lost the battle. But I think going exactly. in there to get some clarity and some understanding and just put that option out to that person. Because honestly, unless you can sit down, I think, and have that 
in-person conversation or even Zoom, worse comes to worse, you know, it's hard to change your mind. It's not impossible, but it, it, it is difficult. It is challenging. And so I, I think if you just kind of stop yeah. and ask those questions, you know, it might be helpful. Yeah. I mean, you have to consider what the goal is. Is the goal mm-hmm. publicly call out shitty behavior? Is the goal to change someone's mind? Is yeah. the goal to understand someone else's perspective? And all of those are valid. Those are all valid goals, but you need to really like hone in on what you're trying to do in that moment. There's something very powerful about very being very clear about your goal. And also, and also, we have talked about this before. You don't have to respond right away. I, I No. I, I, I think we forget all the time that if we see something, we read something, it's upsetting, it's shocking, it's disturbing, it really, you know, pisses us off. We don't need to respond right away to that. I'm really bad about that, uh, <laughs> quite honestly. Mostly because I just like... Like, I like to get shit done. Mm. Like, I want to, like, move forward. And for me, I think my impulse is always, like, response is the way forward. Mm. So something that I am working on is this idea that you can let things sit for a bit Mm. before you move forward. Like, it doesn't have to constantly be forward action, right? So, like, you can let something happen, think about it. And then go back and respond. Mm-hmm. Like that's absolutely valid. It is, and you know what? There are times where I think that is a call to action is appropriate. But I feel, especially like mm-hmm. I said, once you've evaluate like who this person is, who are they to you? How to communicate? Like even that's going to take a few minutes just to kind of like, even if it's just that little pause and kind of like, okay, oh, mm-hmm. this is someone I worked with for for you know five years. Who who do I know? how they would respond better if I just gave them a call that that would that would even take a moment just to kind of breathe and kind of take you out of that initial kind of kick to your, to your system and we can't help it we we're that's how we are designed you know we have yeah it's part of the dare I say the the fight or flight or frozen you know it's the same mm-hmm. thing with words as well we're gonna have response to something that upsets us or we you know it's it's, it's our human nature. It's once again, it's kind of like channeling that in this time where we need to be responsible about using our public spaces. Yeah. And during this time of like collective trauma, which we've mm-hmm. talked about, like, I think that people are leaning into the those responses, those fight, flight, frozen mm-hmm. responses. So people are going to be much more intense <laughs> about their reactions. Mm-hmm. So allowing yourself that space to develop your response in a less reactive way is really important. Mm. I think that is such a good point. Like people are, are already tense. So they just really need a reason. Don't <laughs> like they, there's a lot of ticking time bonds emotionally that people might not even be aware of things that would normally not impact them in such a way or such an emotional way you know if you're already feeling quite thin and fragile maybe not sharing tonight's dinner on facebook is a good idea maybe yeah just wait (laughs) sharing tonight's dinner brings up for me this idea of (laughs) 
oversharing on on social media. What are your thoughts on that? Is there such thing? What constitutes oversharing? Uh, this one is so difficult because I'm so terrible because I do think there is such a thing as oversharing, but there isn't because it's so subjective. Like, you know, it's this is something I have personally been battling with in my own little judgy way because guess what we all have our limits and it's all to mm-hmm. like for to me um you know i've got a cute kid and that's that's she's my only kid so uh, there's a lot of photos of her and we have our family it's the only way they're ever gonna see her they've gone years and years without seeing her so yeah i right. think i'm probably more liberal and to some people been like uh you know do you have anything else like they could just be it. I mean, you can also unfriend me. That's just a little side note. You're welcome. Uh, but that, but that's for me. I don't think that's oversharing. I'm not talking about in, you know, I think, what are we talking about? Those information or uh, inspiring quotes with the moving backgrounds. Oh, Danny, I'm such a terrible person. I can't with those. I can't. <laughs> I'm so awful. I like autumn foliage, like going wildly in the wind with a Maya Angelou quote on top of it. Like I just, yeah, not Maya. I mean, uh, I know I have a lot of, a lot of judgment mentality to overcome when Mm. I'm using social media, because like you, I, I'm like quick to judge what I see as oversharing, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, like I've, I've just been coming back to this idea that like, oh, my judgment and this bothering me is about me Uh. more than them, right? Like, it's not, like, people are free to do whatever the fuck they want, and it's really not my place to judge what is sharing over sharing at the end of the day because Mm -hmm. people are going to do it, and Mm -hmm. I have no control over it, so why am I letting it get under my skin and bother me? Like, it doesn't mean that I have to do it, Mm -hmm. but I ride this line of hating social media and being addicted to it that I think is common (laughs) for a lot of of people. girl, speak. Part of me is like, don't talk about anything involving me on social media. (laughs) And then the other part of me is like, how come nobody is like posting about how much they love me (laughs) on social media? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Speak. I don't think that that's an uncommon feeling Mm. of balancing those two feelings, right? Like I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm strange in that sense. Mm. You see people who like post like every single social outing they have on social media. This is like pre-COVID. Yeah. But um, like that bothers me, (laughs) especially when it's like people who I see regularly and they don't post our social. Hey, that was an epic night too. Hey. (laughs) But, (laughs) But on the other hand, it's like also I don't really care and I don't I don't really need need that flex i can live my life off social media and i don't have to share everything there because you already Um, know you're dope you know what i mean like i don't need you to affirm my dopeness yeah or at least i'm i'm trying to cultivate that feeling yeah cultivate (laughs) your own dopeness actually if we if we're being very real my issue is not with the inspired like inspirational script moving background 
quotes as much as uh, mm-hmm. all right this is real real awful Demika time people who are like just having a real hard day and then like are just like it, it, does that like people who leave the vague the bait, vague book the vague the vague book the vague book bait and to yeah. me I'm like I have had to and I don't know if other people have this please say that you have so I don't feel like a terrible person it's a mixture it's where I'm like well at least if they're trying to get help I'm for that please mm. I'm a big mm. fan I, I used to work with a uh, suicide hotline prevention so please no I care about mental health and people searching out and if that's what they need to do that's fine let me tell you about the percentage of people that actually technically falls underneath when people do vague book vague bait as I like to call it because I can't handle the baiting for the affirmation and the are hey what's going on what's you know can hey talk to me hey calling you and I'm like and on one hand I'm like that's so awesome people are coming to and taking up that but when it's like the same people over with the vagueness or or, you know the Mm -hmm. the quote taken out of a song that's sad and I'm talking to Demika circa 2007. You stop that, Demika. Yeah. That's awful. No one likes that. It's it's I, I I understand, especially in this time where people are really feeling it. If they're feeling, but why can't I would re, I would appreciate it if someone had been like, I'm lonely. Someone talk to me. I freaking love that. I love that because I'm like, bet I'll talk to you. I got you. What's going on? I respect that so much but vagueness but at the same time that is my problem and that is my judgment and I think more Mm -hmm. people once again if they're being honest feel the way that I do but that that that's on you let them deal with what's going on with them and you got to deal what's going on with you once again in these public spaces that behavior, the rationale behind it is you are seeking some sort of response. So just to talk to like D'Amika of 2007, right? Yeah, talk. Like, she's awful. You're, <laughs> like, well, she's not awful. She's hurting and she wants some sort of validation in this world. And so like she's reaching out the only way she knows how and it mm. might be in an unhealthy way. Mm. So, I mean, well... I am always down for judgment. I don't think <laughs> I don't think it's healthy or helpful for us to to judge people who are behaving in that mm-hmm. way. But I think what you can do with yourself, because ultimately at the end of the day, the only person you can control is yourself, is to think about like what is the response that I am seeking? Like what am I hoping is the consequence of me putting this post out into the world? am I looking for validation from other people by posting something vague? Like, and is that a healthy thing for me to do? So I think there is some introspection that like would be really helpful for people to, to really like dive into and consider before posting, but also recognize that you can't control other people's reactions. So if you are looking for a specific reaction, if you like sit with yourself and think about what you're posting and you're looking for a specific reaction and you don't get it, Mm. like that is going to be more detrimental than had you not posted Mm. at all. So really, (laughs) really think about it. Know your audience. 
Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, asking for what you want, like you said, like saying, I'm lonely, someone talk to me, is like, you are more likely to get somebody to talk to you yeah. than if you post, mm. you know, like some depressed song lyric. Yeah, pro tip. Like, I'm just like, yeah, think about, yeah, think about what you want and what is the best way to get what you want mm-hmm. in that situation. Like, right? When a baby is hungry, they don't just like, they don't coyly hope that you will give them food when they need something. They freaking cry out. And so I'm not putting the pressure on people who are already in a bad place. I'm just saying, if you're in a, in, in that space, and like I said, you need what you need quickly or with an urgency, you know, a suggestion is just, just say, you'll be surprised at the people who respond to that. And I think once again, as we're moving forward to a place where we're normalizing mental health, when we're, we're normalizing being emotionally available and open for everybody across all spectrum of genders and backgrounds and races, the more that we make this normal for people to say a queer woman of color to say, I am lonely, I need someone to talk to, and that not to be judged or to be twisted, that that would be so beautiful. The more we normalize it within especially uh, marginalized groups of people and people who (laughs) are told that they don't get to feel this way, like the more we push into it, the more we can just be honest about what we need. And I'm totally for that. And I'm aware it's much easier said than done. Oh, absolutely. And I think like- When you're in a calm and rational state of mind, like, of course, it's easy to, like, weigh all these things, like, weigh how you're reacting to people and who they are to you and weigh, like, what is the the thing that you're searching for by posting this online. Like, it's easy to do that in, like, a calm, balanced mentality. Mm-hmm. But when you're hurting or when you're, like, feeling things deeply, like, it is much harder to, like sit down and sit with it and run through those checklists. Mm-hmm. We should give each other grace, grace. when people aren't behaving like the the best way they can mm-hmm. on social media. Let's just like give each other some grace. Girl, you know that's my favorite word. Like <laughs> you know when I, you know I like it when you talk grace. It's it's <laughs> it's I do. I I love that. I really do and I think that's one of the big home runs that we can have i don't know in sport pun there we go it's just to you know give people that space to just be messy and have kindness towards them regardless because it costs you nothing and that's what's so exciting and danny brought up something when we talked about this before about you know having those people you know you'll get that response if you need that and i think that's really responsible social mediaing that in real life in real life, you have your subsect of people that you will go to for those those hard days, those rough days, those joyous days, and encourage to that to transfer to your social media life. You literally can control how many people you have, how many people see your things, what they see. You know, it's as much as I want to be that person, been like privacy on social media is a delusion Uh, we do have a little bit more privacy than even i like to admit and we can control that get you your posse get you your gang that's close to you and i love something that you said of like if you baked amazing bread and you want validation for this amazing bread you baked you know you can always send that photo to me and i'm gonna like the hell out of that and i'm gonna give you all the props making amazing bread because you know me and we have that 
And so if you are in that place, I would just suggest also getting you your your closeness, your gang together still on social media, because that's the thing you can do if you're so fortunate to have that. So we're always talking about the importance of community mm-hmm. and social media is another way to build community for sure. But have realistic expectations of mm. that community. Like if they leave you on red, read whatever the kids are saying, have some grace. It is yeah. hard to get back to people. <laughs> it is. It is. That's a thing. People be mad about that girl. If you leave yeah. them on red, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing people were mad about. But I guess, do I get mad about that? I had to do some self-examination. I'm like, oh, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just depends on who it is, I guess. It depends on who it is. It depends on what is said. Mm-hmm. Like Time zones. <laughs> time zones, for real. For real. But I, I kind of want to slip in into something a little bit, I, I, I guess, heavier. So we are celebrating like I said I have known so many people even within this time who are like announcing pregnancies and marriages and and it's it's so cool when people graduating and all the celebratory things people pissing you off in these social media yeah especially in this world right now where a lot of these sorts of things that we would be celebrating publicly aren't aren't able to happen like graduation mm-hmm. parties aren't able to happen actual graduation ceremonies aren't able to happen so mm-hmm. like this is now being posted online exactly so we're having all of this and we're trying to be respectful and be joyful and I- i'm realizing that even think about it like for graduations, even people who probably would have normally not be able to attend can attend online. It's, yeah. it, it's kind of cool in a certain way. But things that we're also doing online a little bit more, especially with the this horrific virus going on with the coronavirus, is we're also grieving online. Yes. Yes, it's true. And this is, this is one of those wings where I, and on multi-levels, really, it's a... It, not a touchy subject, but it's a lot to unpack. And like most things we talk about, it's not, it's multifaceted. And once again, based upon opinions, but grieving online is a, is a tricky, tricky thing. (laughs) It is, it is. And I think the way that you have organized dealing with this, this topic is there's like two types of grief, right? And they're happening online or not happening online, but they're things that are, that people are coping with right now. There's private and public grief. Do you want to kind of go into what, what the difference between the two is? Yeah. Right now we have like private grief that we're seeing people who are being, heavily influenced by the uh, coronavirus, whether they have lost someone, contracted it, they've had to social distance from loved ones. I I know people who have been able to see their mom because they're elderly or they're in that category. And it's grief. It's real, real grief that happens. But uh, specifically, as the numbers rise, people are losing that. It's a very private thing. And also not COVID related, like yes, um, as well. Any any sort of like death right now is being impacted by COVID, whether or not it was COVID caused, mm-hmm. just because of of the way to deal with it. And we, as a society, have ritual and things that are that exist for us as a way to process that sort of grief, and it's largely not happening. Uh, right now 
So there's, you know, there's a shift in how people are dealing with it. I mean, I I had a death in my family oh, no. um, during this time. And uh, <laughs> girl, like, oh. I mean, I know we've we've already talked about this. I know. Uh, I but <laughs> yeah, but like uh, the burial and the dealing with that with social distancing is just incredibly difficult Uh, I can't and and that's the thing when we do something that is across the board despite culture and background something that is a very intimate thing to be Mm -hmm. having to do that from a distance like we uh we lost somebody we have something called uh, Fincham's Farm here where it's a lot of predominantly men who are dealing with addiction who go there and, you know, we have this amazing woman named Bridget who's there and loving on these people, working towards rehabilitation, things of that nature. Long story short, well, that gentleman, he, he died last week. And they're talking about only maybe as cremation, maybe two people being able to be there because our restrictions yeah. are still so tight. And knowing, yeah. you know, some people need it's to real. be there for closure, don't they? There's something... Yeah, yeah, a yeah. A lot of people talk about that's where closure happens to them is in in that ceremony, and I just, oof, I, yeah, the weightiness of that. I've I've talked about this before, but like I come from a very religious uh, background, very religious family, even though that's not my spiritual practice. Um, so heavily, heavily Catholic. So we have a very prescribed way mm-hmm. culturally in which we deal with death, and you know, like there's the viewing and the wake and the rosary and the funeral service and the burial and then like a big potluck with all the family and like literally all of that had to be distilled down to a socially distant burial where only five people were allowed graveside and everyone else was instructed to stay in their cars or to spread out and we didn't there wasn't even like a funeral service that was normal like a deacon came and like did part of it but like honestly i was like so far away i couldn't i couldn't hear any of it um so it's it's a weird world and people are dealing with hard heavy shit privately i know oh oh and just even people talking about being in the hospital and passing away, not being able to be having the big surround without family, yeah. without people nearby because they aren't allowing visitors in a lot of hospitals. So we have that horrificness of privately, and then we have publicly. You know, I could probably mm-hmm. sit here and list several things that we have witnessed: the 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 murder of um, Ahmed Arbery. Like that's just recently fairly recently i guess at least at least for me but there have been these cases especially predominantly of of black people who are being murdered mm-hmm. out in these streets <laughs> or in their own homes girl literally could be the whole episode but i'm we're having yeah. these videos we're having these these cases that are out and it is a very public outcry and it's a very public morning it is a public grief. It is a public outrage. And I, I would sit here and, and tell you, you know, when I've heard about these particular of, of uh, Breonna Taylor as well, I, it's been a while since I've heard one of these where it's actually made me cry because we've heard so many of them now that it's becoming to be so, you know, you're becoming so callous to it. I, I bawled my eyes out. 
Oh, I did too. And like these came up around the time that I was dealing with my private grief. Mm. Uh, So it's like so triggering all on top of each other. Mm -hmm. And then to like be bombarded with it publicly on social media, it was just like the world feels too heavy. Mm -hmm. It it was, it's just too much. But once again, because, you know, I, I'm not, I'm sure they've done a few things, but I know in another setting, in another timeline, there'd be a lot more candlelight vigils. There would be a lot more mm-hmm. rallies. And I, I am aware there have been a few, but once again, that's also at a risk of people making sure they don't get sick on top of having to grieve. The fact that these things can happen during a lockdown, once again, I'm desperately trying to make sure I don't grab too far off topic. But the fact is that even the right to grieve as a community at yeah. these murders has kind of been snatched away from from us. Yep. And it is painful. It is really, really painful. But so where do we go with this grief? We go to these public forums because that is now where we have to go. It's the main, main thing. Um, one thing that I that I really appreciated about, about this, this public grieving that I thought was really lovely that happened out in the world was for Ahmad. Um, the, there was on what would have been his 26th birthday. There was uh, people all over the world who were like mourning uh, his death by jogging or running uh, 2.23 miles, which was the date in which he was killed, uh, February 23rd. And I thought, like, for me, that was, like, very cathartic and nice. Um, like, like I ran, I hadn't run in, like, years. Uh, and I thought it might, I might kill myself running <laughs> 2.23 miles. But I did it, and um, there was something, like, really cathartic about it, a lovely thing. So I love that there are these things that are, like, building up and, like, being shared via social media. Like, that idea was shared via social media, mm-hmm. which is how people people did it. So I think there's this idea of, like, grieving online or coming together online to find ways to grieve privately, but still, like, connected with people in other places that's i mean human beings find a way we like find yeah, a way to cope we, right like we yeah, are we sure a do. resourceful race of people <laughs> so we, we find no a way ants, but we're we're doing our best but but the, exactly you're, you're right though there there is that i mean some of the upsides to kind of grieving online is you get to have that online community and being able to help kind of make sense of that situation. And it can even offer like we talked about emotional support when you don't know it, like I said, it's a lot of feelings. And if you literally just don't know what to do with those, you can see that other people are going to be in similar situations and just seeing, even if they don't have the answer, someone who is in the same boat as you can kind of give you comfort And also what was really great in the in the Arbery case is that it was the public outcry. It was that video being leaked. It was Mm -hmm. for once social media kind of working. The one thing that did go viral and spread actually moving towards and steering towards justice and change. I'm like, yes, this is what the written word can do. This is the power that it can possess when used 
when used, when wielded by people who want justice. And I'm like, yeah, this is what we can do with our grief. You know what I'm saying? And, you, you know, it's it's also always there. If you can't sleep at 2 a.m., go online. <laughs> You're early morning person. Go online. If you're a night owl, go on. It's there. It's there for you. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, on the the flip side of that, though, there's a lot of negative sides towards this using social media as an outlet for mourning, right? One, it's always there. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes right? Oh. Yeah. Like, it's... Oof. Family members who also dealing with private grief, like just having to delete social media for the time being or get mm-hmm. off social media. Because like, even though the support of like people in your life and people posting and people reaching out, that can be overwhelming sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like that might not be where you you need it and it might be too much. And I think in particular for these high profile public outcries like that the family members of the deceased that having to be surrounded by that constantly um, it's like picking a scab right like it's gonna take longer to heal Mm -hmm. and it's also grief is a very tricky thing because we have to be careful especially like when it has to deal with uh, private grief being shared publicly is that it doesn't mm-hmm. become a s- selfish. It doesn't become mm. outward seeking. So like you even said for your family, and I know also like in the South as well, like when someone dies, you normally offer like a meal or you try to like, can we do something for you? It's about really reaching out and helping yeah. your family. And sometimes publicly it's about just dealing with your feelings and kind of just putting it out there and, you know, acknowledging what's going on in in your life and your which is once again fine, but that might not be what's helpful and supportive for the family. The family could be struggling emotionally, right. financially, because we can't afford to yes. die in America. No. Um, no. And so there might not be that end of the deal happening. It could just be people kind of running with the rawness, you know, and it's that that's what's really difficult. I, I can imagine that, especially for these high profile cases as well, that people going that and putting their raw anger and that emotion in the name of your loved one can be, it could be powerful, but it could also be very rough because rawness is hard to translate online in that social media forum. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So double-edged sword for sure. (laughs) It, it, It really is. And it's particularly difficult to navigate in this time where in-person grieving is not possible. So I really hope for those of you who are grieving, whether privately or publicly, that once again, I think really honing in onto your own personal kind of community is going to be really um, essential. Uh, There Mm -hmm. are... I know in the UK, there's a couple of grieving sites you can go to uh, that offer like online counseling as well. I think there's like the, the Harley therapy.co.uk counseling grieving process. I have some material as well. And I, I just think kind of reaching out to places that are specific for grief, even if it's not a member of your direct family, just going out there and getting resources on how to deal with you know, stages of grief and ways to kind of process that, do things that are really good for your mental health. I mean, 
another thing about public grief is that if I try to go online to get a, to escape what's going on in my life, it's it's everywhere. So yeah. it, it, it's 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 a it's something you have to kind of walk and decide and be on guard at of what is going to be healthy. What are you consuming? And what are some places you just can't go to right now until you've kind of walked through and give yourself time to walk through that grief? Yeah. And I mean, we're specifically talking about a grief related to death, but there are all sorts of grieving mm. that are happening right now. It is not just death. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of grieving happening that's COVID related, like for things that could have happened and didn't or and I think all of those all of those levels of grief are valid, whether you're navigating a breakup or you're navigating like not being able to send your child to summer camp or, you know, there's lots of things and it's all valid and your feelings are valid and there are resources available for you to help process through that grief. And I think many people would be surprised uh, about who is available to help you um, during Mm. this time if you were to reach out and if you really don't think you have someone in your like in real life network who can support you during this time, I do really urge you to go online. There are so many places Uh, uh. um, online support groups uh, with people who, who are ready and willing to be there for you if you need it during this time. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. The resources are out there. You're not alone and it's uh you're worth it. You're worth dealing through that grief. You really are. Yeah. On that note, should we shift gears and mm. talk about our happy place? Uh that is necessary. <laughs> what is your happy place uh well this is speaking of things that might be a little hard to duplicate i don't know you could probably duplicate this one my happy place is made up holidays (laughs) (laughs) okay okay i'm with you what do you mean by made up holidays so with time right because time is funny right right uh Mm -hmm. To try to break it up. So like I said, I'm at home a lot and I'm teaching, you know, Monday through Friday. We start at like 830, end at three, like a normal day, trying to keep everything as, you know, normal as possible. I'm trying to make the weekend seem special. I try to make sure there's a difference between the weekdays and the weekends, right? Especially with how Mm -hmm. much like in the evenings I work now getting all the things done I used to do during the day. So what we have started to do is that we've started to like make up holiday weekends. Who doesn't like holiday weekends? So we had a victory in Europe day, which is a real day. It's kind of, it's like their, their, uh, it was their mark of the second world war here in England. It's a really big deal. It's, it's really lovely. And we've kind of, we've uh, acclimated, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's really nice. And you put, you put, you know, the, the union Jack up and they normally have a big, huge public, you know, hoorah, but of course they couldn't. So what they did was really cute here is that at 
11 o'clock, everyone stand outside and have a moment of silence. At 3 o'clock, everyone have their scone and tea or coffee and cake. And then everyone outside have a picnic in their garden. It was really cute. So it's like around the country, people at certain amount of times were all doing the same things within their homes. Really cute, right? I love that. I love I love that power of thinking about like even in this social isolated time of thinking about the whole country, everyone doing these things at the same time. I yeah. think that's lovely. And it was and we went for a walk at the time where because we, you know, we ate a little bit earlier. So it was like, go in your front garden, have a picnic, making sure you're six feet away from it. So we walked and, you know, I was really shocked. There were these cute little pockets where every six feet, there was like little families that have like picnics. And at six o'clock, you're supposed to toast to one another. And we made sure we were walking out in our neighborhood and we saw people with their bunting, which is very English and out there with, you know, it was warm that day. So everyone was already sunburned on their shoulders. It's very cute. And I just absolutely fell in love with that idea and oh they said turn on to spotify at a certain time of day at like one o'clock so they made a mix on there to where everyone Mm -hmm. could listen to music at the same time so everyone was listening to the same old school big band world war ii era songs it was really sweet it really was really well done but inspired me to make up our own holiday weekends and so we've had spring fling which was celebrate all things spring so we would talk about you know, how plants grow and things that are really high picked in spring. And of course, like, you know, made Mariah's favorite food. We ate outside, had a fire. Then we had like celebrate Sicily where we talked about, you know, the difference between Sicily and Italy. And I think we're going to have like survival weekend, which is, you know, camp outside in the background and talk about all things survival and talk about plants, go to the woods and just try to make every weekend basically like theme. So, on Friday morning, it's like, oh, tomorrow is survival weekend or tomorrow is celebrate blood just to try to break up and make something to look forward to. So, yeah, made up holidays or suggest it or look up old holidays of your town. That's hilarious. <laughs> look in the history and look up if there's old holidays that people used to uh, celebrate. That one's super fun. So, yeah. In this time in particular, having something to look forward to, and that cannot be emphasized enough, like the importance of that. Uh-huh. It's just, it makes it makes things good. Like, uh-huh. have something to look forward to. Yeah, it's, it's just so lovely, you know, and like, what are we going to eat? What should we wear? And it doesn't seem like a big deal, but like when your little kid wakes up and it's been like, it's so-and-so day, it's so-and-so day, and like it's Wednesday, oh, a couple more days to so-and-so day, and it's it it puts a smile on my face too as well. And it helps me like, yeah, it'll be fun and we can decorate and, you know, we're going to take um, junk modeling stuff and try to recycle it and make spring art from recyclable materials and mm. put it around the house to decorate. And it's just, you know, uh, appreciate the time and try to treasure it as much as possible. So I don't, what are you? What's your happy place? For this happy place, I was trying to think about something in particular that was helping me deal with grief. And I don't know if you have read much of Bell Hooks or of her writing, Mm-mm. but she's like, I love, I love me some Bell Hooks. And some of it is a little controversial, but the book in particular that I wanted to talk about today is a book of hers called All About Love. Um, and it's, 
yeah, it's 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 a really great book. I think there's some pretty divisive opinions about it. In particular, there's a lot of it where she gets into like spiritual and it's very clear that it's like rooted in Christianity. So people have some issues with that. Even myself as like an agnostic atheist, I think it's fine because I can, you know, I can I can get distill what she's she's saying about it and apply it in my own way. But I think some people get kind of annoyed with it. Uh, But she's Bell Hooks is is amazing. She's a black woman. Um, She writes a lot of amazing things. Like if you've not read her, I highly recommend reading all of her things. She has a trilogy that's about love and one of the books is is called All About Love. And it it talks about how as a society we aren't really given a good definition of what love is. And so it's hard because we're all like put out into the world and told to chase love and and to find it and we all know that that means like romantic love uh, for for most people but she talks about you know like the importance of different types of love in your life and how it doesn't have to be romantic and this is something you and I talk about a lot like the importance of platonic love and other types of love in your life her definition of love she she brings up is like about encouraging growth like spiritually or like you know internally like that growth within yourself and within other people and I think that that's just like a beautiful definition of love and and to me that makes a lot of sense because of course the people who I love the most like that's what I want for them so I don't know she has a lot of great quotes and a lot of things about dealing with with grief and the loss of a, of a loved one, not necessarily like a loss from death, but like losses from like breakups or parting of ways. So good book, lots mm. of great quotes, definitely have revisited it various times in my life and find new things to get out of it. So mm. highly recommend. Dang it. I know I'm like on the back of my mind. I'm like, why do I like I was wrecking my she, did she do Ain't I a Woman? Is that the same? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, same woman. Oh, okay, I was like, this is going to bother me if I don't look this up. Oh, that's such a good suggestion. Mm, but I haven't yeah. read that book. Yeah, and I think she even has has a, some kids' books that she's oh. written as well. Uh, let me let me see. Let's see. She has written so "Ain't I a Woman" is is one of her first like big ones, which is about like black women and feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was published in the eighties. And then she's written a lot of books about like race and about gender. I really like her books. Also, "Teaching to Transgress," which is a book oh. about education. It's it's really really good because uh, she's a teacher. And then there's also a, another teaching book of hers that I really love. That's called "Teaching Community," and it's mm. a, a pedagogy of hope. That's really, yeah. She she has lots of books. I can't find what her I think she's written some children's books oh here we go happy to be nappy is one of her books <laughs> b-boy buzz skin again grump grown growl she's yeah she's great and so her work a lot of it all of it really deals with like black womanhood and being a woman of color and 
existing in these systems. Yeah, it's it's lovely. She's wonderful. Oh, I'm so stoked. I'm definitely going to look up those kid books. That's going to be so exciting. Oh, what good happy places. Go yes. make up a holiday and on your mini holiday that you have made up, read some amazing books. Maybe we should set like a bell hooks day <gasps> and we can have like all the unicorns read some bell hooks or practice some of her like pedagogy in the world. <gasps> Ooh, should we? So we should just like set a, and do we just like we just, should we look to see if there is one? Uh, there might be one. I see her birthday is in September. Is that too far away? Hmm. It would be cool if it was on her birthday. Yeah. Okay. You heard it here. We're going to yeah. celebrate Bell Hooks Day, yep. September 25th. Yep. We should put that in our notes. <laughs> we'll put it in our notes. I'm putting it that in my calendar. That gives you literal months to go and get yourself some Bell Hooks. Um, yeah. We'll revisit it. Oh, we have to do like Bell Hooks updates. It'd be like, what books are you reading? Yeah, there we go. I'm putting that in my calendar. Bell Hooks Day. There we go. Yes, I can't mm. wait. September twenty fifth. See, I'm already like looking forward to yeah, it. I can hear it in your voice. You're just like, oh, that's gonna be so fun. I will pick my hair out for the occasion. Yes. <laughs> um. Ugh, so so good. Freaking love happy places. Okay, friends, definitely let us know what your happy places are in this world. I can always use more happy places. So mm. share, share, share. Tell us. You can email us biracialunicorns at gmail.com. You could also connect with us on social media. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram at biracialunicorns. We're on Twitter at biracialmagic. If you need more places to be happy, look no further than So Smith Photography, who's taken some wonderful photos for us for dolly pop art who has made the gorgeous art that you see of us in front of you or joseph scott who did our amazing intro and outro music these people follow them because they make us pretty daggone happy it's true mm. we would also really appreciate it if you were to tell your friends about this podcast that's really our our main way that we grow is people mm -hmm. sharing and telling their friends so tell your friends Tell them to subscribe. If you aren't subscribed, please do so. Yeah. And if you're feeling super gung-ho about the whole thing, like, go ahead and drop us a review. Yeah. We'd appreciate have, it. It doesn't be poetic. Just, like, you yeah. know, just let us know. Rate us, review, and always let us know what you would like to hear more of on the podcast. We do this podcast for ourselves, but we also do it for you. <laughs> Some days more for you, some days more for me. Just really depends. <laughs> it's just like just like any relationship, right? Yeah, totally. It's very authentic that way. Yes. <laughs> All right, friends. We'll be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with another full episode. Mm -hmm. All right. Peace. Out. Out.